The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris, and welcome to the playoffs. Good morning, Mike, and welcome to the end of the regular season. Almost the end of the regular season. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends. If you're watching the NHL Network and you watch like NHL Tonight, you wouldn't know that the regular season is still going on. Nope. Because, uh, I don't know, apparently Vancouver played somebody yesterday and they're playing them again today, but there has not been one mention of the Vancouver Canucks still playing hockey. And I understand that the playoffs are a little more important, but I'm hey, sure those Van- guys still get played to paid to play at the highest level uh, of hockey, too. Yeah, I realize that they're not playing for position. They're not playing, but they're still playing for pride. They're still playing for, uh, well, I would guess, you know, some sort of some form of auditioning. I mean, some players don't have to, I'm guessing, but there are other younger ones who are playing for uh, some sort of recognition as to whether they should be kept around or dealt away. Contracts. There are are guys who are jockeying for position to see who's going to be protected uh, when Seattle drafts. Ah, yes. And the Seattle draft is now uh, something that we need to consider. So, yeah, it, it, as much as the playoffs started yesterday and the Bruins played the the, the Washington Capitals, uh, there are also still regular season games going on. So, uh, good luck to Vancouver and their final dance partners. Yes. At one point, it looked like it was going to be Dallas running uh, – into the playoffs or delaying the playoffs. And that did not turn out to be the case. Uh, yeah. Dallas just, uh, I don't know what happened to Dallas. They, they were decimated with injuries. I mean, it turns out that. Sagan Lupe never hits, played a game. Uh, no, Sagan did return. He played in the last two games or something like that. Okay. He so did return. I mean, good to see that he returned, but his, his return had no impact. Exactly. Uh, Rope Hints played, and apparently I've been pronouncing it wrong because I've been pronouncing it Rupe, but uh, Rope Hints uh, apparently played the whole season with some sort of adductor issue, uh, some kind of a tendon or something, and he's having surgery on it in the offseason, takes a few months to, but he played like the whole season. He would take like the second, the second of back-to-backs off and, and things like that. It started out with every other game. I mean, it was to read what he went through. It's like, okay, that's dedication. <laughs> I mean, you, but hockey no players bishop. are a little nuts. Well, yes, uh, we are. Um, but they had no bishop. Uh, ben Bishop missed the whole season uh, again. All right, can we consider? Uh, I I don't think he's considering himself done. But is he done? Who? Just, Ben Bishop. I don't think so. I, I think he'll at least try and play one more season. Is he done in Dallas? That's always possible. Um, now that now that they have Ottinger, uh, who Dobin signed for another couple of years because he just he inked a three year deal at the end of last season. 
Um, so still got two more years. They got Ottinger, who's goalie of the future, I would guess. I mean, it's possible that if um, Hudobin is picked it is picked in the expansion draft, that they look to Bishop to be the instant replacement for the two other Bishop replacements. Um, because that's what Hudobin and Ottinger have become. Uh, I mean, Hudobin in the previous season was the dude and one of the three or four best goaltenders in the NHL. And Ottinger has come in and proved himself worthy of NHL crease time. Um, he, he, yeah, he had a nice rookie season. Um, so if he's going to earn a spot, it's probably not going to be the number one spot. Okay. I mean, it's interesting because the stars, uh, based on what I'm reading, the stars didn't ask Bishop to waive his no movement, so they're not they're not exactly ready to give up on him. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, given his given his contract and his health the last two seasons, what are you going to trade him for, and what are you getting out of the deal? you're probably retaining half of his salary to move him, which is a burden itself. And you might have to take back something pretty undesirable or worse, uh, take back something undesirable and give up uh, and give up uh, pieces or draft uh, or draft capital that you really don't want to. Well, here's a quote from Jim Nill talking to Tracy Myers of the NHL.com. When Ben is healthy, and this is a quote I'm reading, when Ben is healthy, he's one of the top three to five goalies in the league. Mm -hmm. He's a guy who can be a difference maker for you in the playoffs and in winning the Stanley Cup. I think it's important for him to get back with us. He's a big part of our team, a big part of our leadership group. He's a guy who puts us over the top. Right now, our plan is let's see where he where he's at here. And let's see where he's at in July. Right now, he feels very good, and he's on track for being ready for camp. So we'll play that by ear. End of quote. Uh, I mean, his, his salary isn't as bad as I thought it was. I thought he had gotten into the six-seven range. It's just over. It's just under five million. Okay, I guess if you have to keep half of that to move him, you're probably. It's not that bad. But doesn't sound like they want to move two him. Season. No, it doesn't at all. And I don't blame them because I I fully agree that, you know, when he's healthy, you have to struggle to get me five convincing names that are better than him. Um, and with two seasons left on the on his contract, you can still get a lot of value out of that. I mean, I think if he plays 100 games. Uh, on that time and okay. pops and pops up a 920 921 save percentage over those 100 games i think you're getting your value i mean it, and like you said it it it, it is possible that hudobin could uh, uh i mean hudobin has a no trade so they may have to actually protect him um I really do need to read the rules for the expansion draft. Um, 
but there's not a lot of there's not a lot of guys outside their top four forwards who do have no movements or no trade clauses. Well, Ottinger is Ottinger is exempt. Yep, entry levels are exempt, and then Sagan, Ben, and Pavelski all have no movements. Cogliano has a no trade. Surprisingly, the only member of their defense, uh, no, actually, none of their defensemen have a have a no trade or no movement. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think their defense is the best in the league. In fact, it's collectively outside the top ten. Oh, according to this article I'm looking at, uh, and it's something called ProHockeyRumors.com, but it was the first link that I found that sure about Ben Bishop. And it says that uh, both goalies require protection from the Kraken, and that's yep. because of the mo- no-move clauses. Of course, the teams can only protect one. So apparently, it sounds like if that's the case, they're going to – sounds like they're going to let Hudobin dangle. I mean, based on that quote from Jim Nill, if they can only protect one and both they got, but both require protection, that quote saying that they want to know where he's at in July, it's too late for the expansion draft at that point. So, not too late for trades, though, because remember there are a lot of there's a lot of goaltending doubt in the world right now. This, yeah, and and if you go back and look at if you go back and look at um, the the Vegas expansion, I mean, what McPhee was able to do with the deals that he worked, which I don't, I don't think is going to happen this time. The way he was able to basically steal Shea Theodore from Anaheim, <laughs> he stole a third Marcia, of and, and Marcheseau from uh, Florida. I mean. It, the, just the two of those guys alone have been have reaped all kinds of benefits for the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, looking at their defense, Essa Lindell, John Klingberg, Jamie Alexiak, Sammy Vatanen, Andre Sikara, Miko Haskinen is on a entry level. Um, Mark Pissick, Joel Hanley, and the currently injured. Stephen Johns. I think Stephen Johns' injuries. Well, he's actually a UFA also. A UFA right defenseman. Um, something tells me he's going to be signed if he's in any way healthy by free agency. But I think I think you're going to protect Klingberg and Lindell. Um, I think that Andre Sakara's being Andre Sakara protects him. And oh, the fact that Jamie Alexiak hasn't performed any well, any well anywhere other than Dallas probably protects him. But you're likely to lose Sammy Vatnan, who's a UFA anyways. So there was, I mean, it's a coin toss whether he was still go- going to be there next season or not anyways. I'm not really crying over that one. No. Um, I mean, I like Sammy Vatnan, but it's not a franchise breaker. Not anymore. Five, seven years ago, maybe, when he was with Anaheim. Uh, as far as the Rope Hints thing, okay, so it is an, it's a 
tendon issue in the groin area, the left adductor, small chunk of bone attached to the adductor, pulling away where the tendon attaches to the pelvis area. Um, and yet he played hockey. What do you mm-hmm. have to do? Skate, which requires movement at the pelvis area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to mention impact with other players, occasionally the boards and occasionally the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I forgot that they were without Radulov most of the season, too. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, as far as their surprising non-playoff appearance after playing in the final and, and you know, the last time it happened was, I don't remember, a long time ago. But it, I'm not surprised by it based on what personnel they were playing with. I mean, they were bringing up a lot of youngsters and, and Oh, that, and just the compression of their season because they started weeks late, uh, because of, uh, the pandemic. Oh, they did start late. Yeah. They, they were in protocol while everybody else had started their season. Yeah. I mean, just the compression alone is likely to have cost them five to six points. Uh, you, you get into everything else, uh, all the other injuries. Um, there's a lot going on there. Um, we want to start going, with the, I was going to say, there's a lot going on in our show, too. So where do you want to start? <laughs> do you want to start with the little stories, the big stories? Uh, uh, want to start with the mailbag? The, the mailbag is uh, – we could start with that because it, it involves more of, of things that we've missed. And uh, from a technical standpoint, a uh, little bit of a glitch and I didn't see them. And when I did finally see them – so some of them have been – they're all from past episodes. Um, they're all from somebody named Marcha, M-A-R-C-H-A. Yep. Um, Episode 207 – yeah, so we're going back a little bit on this one. This is, and we apologize. We normally try and catch up on these, but um, both Chris and I have really busy schedules, and sometimes we just don't get to them. Um, so back on episode 207, uh, we must have said something uh, slightly uncomplimentary about Mr. Rask, which is shocking because he's elite. When, when do when do we get to drop that word? Oh wait, wait I'm doing it again. Uh, I really despise the use of that word for someone who is not. But well, it's it, the comment was not saying Rask is elite, but I would point out that his numbers from last season were solid: nine twenty nine versus nine nineteen for Halak, which was also good. Well, thank you for pointing that out. Appreciate it. While perhaps not as elite as he once was. Now we're dealing with degrees of elite. Yes. Rask Rask is still a solid goaltender who is late in his career and after having suffered at least three concussions, while his playing this season has been uneven, it will balance out on a long enough timeline this season. Also, it seems unfair to rip on how bad and inexperienced the D is and then blame the goalie. Um. well, here's the thing. The goaltender has been out of position. Fact, not opinion. And uh, if the guys on that particular radio show uh, need need their egos buffed, I, I will do so at a later point. Um, but when the, the, the trackers and the markers that we were looking at for performance 
were based on Tuka Rask. I've said, Chris has said, that Rask's downward spiral, and I don't think it's an extreme to call it that, has began a couple of years ago, and we're more concerned about the playoffs than the regular season. What did Rask, who played well under half of the NHL's uh, season this year, uh, turn in for a total save percentage? 913. Mm-hmm. 9-13. And that's well-rested because he never really played long stretches in a row like an elite number one goaltender should. Um, he, didn't he didn't get play his long. shutouts until the end of the season <coughs> when, quite frankly, some teams had already packed it in. Even teams who were going into the playoffs. Um... You want to ask a guy about long stretches, talk to Yusei Saros, talk to Vitek Vanacek, who yep. played 13 games in a row. Uh, 13 games in a row in a, se- in a season where you're at a, high, at a playoff or higher pace of games. Um, and the other thing is, you listen to the players talk. Young players, guys four years, eight years into their career, literally every one of them says something about the communication of other goaltenders making it easier for them to play. I have not in his entire tenure here in Boston said that, heard that said about Tukarask. Not once. No. And, and even if you just, even just watching, even if you just go by the eye test, watching the games, you watch how the, the area in front of the net, they, in front of Halak is clearer than than Rask. The the puck movement. It, first of all, uh, Tuka not good at moving the puck. He should not leave the blue paint. Uh, Ever. In my in my honest opinion, he should never leave that blue paint. Uh, he skates behind the net to stop the puck, and then he's. I mean, yes. Then he has to happened. dive, or someone else has to dive in front of the net because he doesn't see. An opposing player swinging up behind him or a, a, a player coming straight uh, past the crease uh, towards him. He's not agile enough. His hand his puck handling is not nearly. Honestly, Tukarask is one of the worst puck handling goaltenders Boston has ever had. And I'm talking about going all the way back into the 80s. Uh, so. Uh, I've seen every goaltender who has played a game in that time and Tuka Rask, anyone who puts Tuka Rask in the top half of their list, uh, they don't understand hockey. And where did Tuka Rask... That's all part of working with the quote-unquote young D. He doesn't... It's all part of the communication. He hasn't ever done that. He's thrown young defense. He's made a career out of throwing young defensemen under the under the bus. I, I mean, um, what what was his name? Tory Krug's first season, he threw him under the bus on a regular basis. Um, and this is a guy who's undrafted. Um, and the long the list of players who he's done the same thing to, over and over again. It's pretty long. 
so nine thirteen. Where does that where does that tally for goaltenders who have played? Hey, we'll we'll set the number of games played at twenty this season. Any idea where that where that will get uh, Mr. Rask this year, Chris? Tenth. Uh, an optimist, aren't you? <laughs> and no, I do not need to be looking at the playoffs because we definitely haven't played 20 playoff games. Well, yes, it would help if you stuck to the regular season for those numbers. <laughs> so there are 46 goaltenders who played at least 20 games. Okay. Uh, in terms of save percentage, a 913 put him out. There we go. Uh, Alex Nedeljkovic. Nedeljkovic. I knew I was saying that wrong. <laughs> Had 23 games played, so one one less game than Tuka Rask, playing for Carolina Hurricanes. Um, he, he managed three shutouts and a 932 save percentage this year. Best save percentage of all goaltenders playing more than 20 games. Uh, let's see. Philip Grubauer playing for Colorado. Grubauer is like the odds on percentage. He's like the odds on favorite to win the Vesna. Supposedly, I think they're gonna give it to Vasilevsky again. Well, seven shutouts isn't is definitely not terrible. Uh, yeah. Forty. He played forty of the fifty-six games. Only had nine losses. And he had a 9.22 save percentage. So, so I'm not right in saying 10. No. Okay. Um, Thatcher Demko, Vancouver, 34 games. Started as what the third string goalie there this year? Maybe uh, the backup. I think he was the. I think he was supposed to be the backup to Holtby. After they lost Markstrom, they signed Holtby. And I think Thatcher was supposed to be his backup or play even number game, you know, like the 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 equal split that they were going to do this season or whatever. But that's still this is still about fifty percent, about fifty five, sixty percent of the games. Poor rookie. Yeah, he kind of took over when I don't know Holtby was not performing at his best, shall we say? Uh, Holt Beast uh, is a little bit closer to Holt Bust at the at the moment, um, but. And this is, again, a very young team, not a team with a great defensive defense uh, core. 34 games as a rookie, 9-14 save percentage. And that places him 17th, one above Tukarask. 18th, wow. 18th of four guys who have played 20 or more of the 56-game season. Not a high bar. So the that elite part is not applicable. I see. Okay. Um, I mean, and look, yeah. I want. I am a hockey fan. Yes. I'm an NHL fan. I'm an NWHL fan. I'm a college hockey fan. I'm a major junior and USHL fan. I'm a fan of the World Juniors. I'm a fan of the world championships. 
I'm sort of a fan of the Olympics, but I would really prefer it was all amateurs. Um, I want, but, and look, I grew up in the Boston area. The first hockey games I've say, I saw, I saw were in, in person were in the Boston garden. I've seen more hockey games in the Boston garden than everywhere else combined. Well, maybe not. That may not be true anymore. I want the Bruins to win. They're my home team. As much as I talk about the other teams, as much as I love hockey for hockey, I want them to win. And when I say bad stuff or non-positive stuff about local guys, it's filtered through the lens of looking at the entire NHL. So when I say that Tuka Rask does things poorly, the comparison to the other players in the team or in the team's history, less relevant than the comparison to the other players in the league. For the most part, the people who keep insisting that Rask is the way to go, please tell me uh, of in his three Stanley cup appearances, or is it two, how many Stanley cups the team has come away with? Because with him, with him as the starter, I'm pretty sure that's a nice the number. Because with the other guy, there were games where that defense, which quite frankly, after Chara and Seidenberg, there was a drop off, a big drop off. Um, didn't, wasn't that good. It really wasn't that good. And they had games where they just flat out uh, didn't didn't perform. There were plenty of times where Tim Thomas had to steal them a game or carry them to a win. I, how many times did Tuka Rask in any of their appearances steal games? Flat out steal, not play a little bit better than the guy at the other end, but get peppered with 40 or 50 shots and still win. Or get or face like multiple two on one rushes in a short period of time or three on twos, odd man rushes over and over again. And still over the course of his career, over the course of his career, it may have happened. I'm not going to sit here and say it hasn't happened at all or it's zero, but has it happened? The question is, has it happened in the playoffs? Uh, when when they played Chicago and lost, I mean, that was a tough series. Uh, there were you, there were multiple failures in that series. Exactly, Rask um, was still not good. Against St. Louis two years ago, and I don't. He was aggressively average. There were three or four bad goals that he allowed in that series that shaped the series. Period. Okay. There's never been. And the thing is, is he doesn't necessarily rebound from a bad goal by going by going from elite to flat out ridiculous mode. Uh, like we've seen from other goaltenders. You looked at Jonathan Quick 
during the two or during the Vegas, uh, during the Los Angeles runs, if he allowed a bad goal, he was just short of shanking people who got anywhere near him with the puck. And the thing is, you look back at you look back at his you look back at his playoff numbers, and against Chicago in 2012-13, the the 13 playoffs, he had you can't argue with it. he played in 22 games. He went 14 and eight. He had a 1.88 goals against average, 940 save percentage. How good but was the defense? The results. And it's the results sh- and three shutouts, but it's the results, yeah. Because you look at other years and the save percentage dips in 2017 18, he had a 903 in 1920 uh, uh, last year, and then before he decided to call it a day, he only had a 904. And now, again, it was the summer playoffs, and I don't, I wonder how many of them had checked out mentally to begin with but but even going back to 1718 they played 12 games he had a 903 save percentage 903 and correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't that defense noticeably better than the one we're seeing now noticeably more experienced yes this year you have Lausanne out there you have and and they didn't have if you look they didn't have Zaboro they had nope. They had Grizzlick, McAvoy paired up. They had Carlo and Riley, the acquisition. And then they had Lozon and Miller. So you didn't have Zaboral out there. You didn't have – but you had, Lo, you had Lozon out there. Um, okay, even going back – let's jump all the way back to the 9-10 season, the year before they won the Cup. Yeah. You have most of the defense in place that uh, Tim Thomas uh, stood, stood up behind. A nine twelve save percentage. Eh. Eh. I mean, at the time, that was still a solid save percentage. It was a. It would get you higher into the rankings than currently. But he was so bad the next year that he lost the starting gig, and didn't between injuries and his play, he didn't play a game after February. Tim Thomas went into the playoffs having played every game for over a month and then played in three series that went seven games and and just flat out demoralized the Philadelphia Flyers in the four game series that they played. Agreed. There's people call it in. I don't necessarily like the term, but a lot of video gamers call it. Guys hitting God mode. Where's where is Rask's God mode? I recognize that he has elite games and really, really, really good weeks. But a lot of those times where he's getting 30 save, 35 save shutouts. They're all perimeter shots. These are shots coming in from, you know, odd angles from 35, 40 feet out. You look at his game last night. <clears throat> not, not great. 906. And 
again, as I said to you pregame, you know, that that overtime goal actually after being tipped, hit him in the chest, dropped down between his legs. He's the one who kicked it in the net. I mean, you have to see it from the not the angle. The, they showed one particular angle. I want to say oh, they, were tra- they were trying not to embarrass it. I think it was from the opposite from the opposite side of where the shot came from, the angle toward at at Tuca and the puck drops and you, he he moves and kicks it in, it, but it actually hit him in the chest and dropped straight down between his legs. Right. So it, 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 and okay, and yeah, <laughs> it, it he had two opportunities to stop the puck after it hit him. Didn't make it. Episode 209. Uh, interesting stat reshot possession um, shots per game. 27 on average against Rask. And I am paraphrase, paraphrasing for time's sake. Uh, average of 22 on Halak. Uh, what are your thoughts on this um, communication? Communication. Uh, the other goaltenders tell or tell the defense what sight lines they want and which shots they want to, which long distance shots they want to handle, which long distance shots, you know, go ahead. If you, if you're creating a screen at 12 and a half feet or 15 feet out, I'm okay with that. Uh, Just, just get, just block the shot. Rask apparently wants to see more shots, whether this is because he's, less adept at tracking short distance shots or some might argue that he's attempting to pad his numbers by getting those additional shots. I don't know, but you know, five shots over 20 game, five additional shots over 20 games that that is going to pad your save percentage. If they're low quality shots, they play they play in front of the same defensive core. It's not like when Halak goes in net they suddenly put in six Hall of Famers. Yeah, it's they it's play the same in guys. front of the same defensive core. So sitting there and making and saying that he faces five more shots per game or Halak faces five less. But again, that that allows it's it comes down to shot quality. It's a yes, it's a useful stat. Um it's a useful stat for seeing long-term trends, but I think it speaks to the relationship between the defense and the goaltender and the way that they communicate or don't. Um, uh, and speaking of defense comment from episode 20, uh, uh, speaking of defense in the bees, John, uh, in the bees, John Moore was, uh, out in favor of camper on Sunday and the team looked like it remembered how to play defense. Quick stat, uh, play, quick stat. John Moore played in five games where the bees went one and four. Do you think this is a coincidence? Asking for a friend? No, <laughs> it's not all John Moore, but John Moore is terrible. John Moore, <laughs> this, John Moore at this point is legitimately at least at at most the tenth defenseman on this team. Tenth. Well, you got to figure they had the six on the ice last night. Yep. You have to consider Zaboro because he's got a one-way contract, so it's not like you can send him. You know, if you send him back, you have to clear waivers. Blah blah blah. But you have to you have to consider Zaboro's there, Camphor is there, 
And I and to be quite honest, I put Connor Clifton in front of both of them. Connor Clifton should be number seven. First time somebody goes down or or screws yes, up bad I, I enough, agree Clifton, that Clifton needs, is he needs I, to I, be on the ice. Plus, he's got playoff experience that Jeremy Lozon doesn't have. Hmm. He's got playoff goals too. He's got, um. Yeah. So John Moore is like eleventh actually. Maybe you put him ahead of. Maybe you put him ahead of Zaboral as well because he has uh, no. But I I've don't. seen him attempt to play hockey. <laughs> Definitely not ahead. Camper is actually Camper is actually a steady. Camper is a steady defensive. alternative. Yes, he's not. He's not going to light up the the scoreboard. He's not going to light up. Although he he and Kuhlman no. both scored their first goals of the season on the same night so hey maybe he yes. some kind of good luck charm but <laughs> okay no one is going to put Steve Camper in their top 4 willingly that said if you have to put him in your bottom pairing the average team isn't going to notice that much of a change and so, uh, yes, of the Bruins defensemen to play this season, and I think the number is like 13 or 14. Something like that, yeah. Because, because they, they played Jack Ashan, they played... Erho Vakaninen. And again, I would put, again, I would put Vakaninen, or at least the healthy version of, ja- of Vakaninen, ahead of John Moore. Um, if for no other reason than he's a better passer and a better skater. Does he have the same level of experience? Nope. Um, do now, I think the he time, makes better use of his skills? Yes. Now, at the time the comment was made, we didn't have Mike Riley, so he gets to Again. move up. He gets to move up one spot, <laughs> but he's still tenth or eleventh. <laughs> um, okay, so the Bruins have played thir- yes thirteen goal t- uh, thirteen defensemen this year. Um, in terms of games played for these guys, we're just going to uh, we're just going to order them that way. McAvoy played 51, Clifton played 44, Zaboro played 42, Lozon 41, Grizzlick uh, 37, Kevin Miller 28. It seems like that number should be lower, but hey, uh, Brandon Carlo 27, uh, Steve Camper 20. Mike yeah. Riley, 15. Jared Tenorti. Um, oh, I thought about Jared Tenorti. Yeah, okay, so there's another 14. one. 14. Erho Vakanainen, 9. Um, John Moore, 5. There Jack he Sean, is on the list. 3. I think the fact that he was effectively, that he was technically healthy all season and played less games as than. As we know. Less games than Vakanainen, Tenorti, and Riley, who based on injuries and time in other places were not part of the seat or not part of the team at the beginning of the season tells you that the organization feels just as warmly about his skills as I do. Fair enough. Next. Now, and again, at the time the comment was made, those guys weren't in camp, but I, I think I've said it enough times over the course of the last two years, John Moore is a, is a bad NHL player. Uh, I think that I think that the uh, baseball term of 4A player probably fits him better than anyone else in the Bruins system right now. I think the reason I think the reason that Sweeney signed him with, is 
he was coming off a decent season, his last season in New Jersey. Yeah. I, and with what was available and money to spend and, I don't know, maybe the talent evaluators thought he was something that he wasn't, but giving maybe him Maybe they points, thought that his, his potential had just been tapped, but no. I think he just had a good season. Yeah. He's 30 years old at this point. Don't wish him any ill will or anything like that. He doesn't annoy me as much as, oh, God, uh, who was the who was the defenseman that I thought Patrice Bergeron was going to kill at the end of one season? I don't remember this one. Um, end of the season. John Moore is actually on IR, so. Uh, it was the end of the season probably eight, nine years ago before they won the cup. In fact, uh, I'll have to track it down, but Bergeron and Marshand are coming back, attempting to prevent an empty net goal. And this mm-hmm. defenseman is literally standing still in the blue, in the defensive zone and does nothing to prevent it. And Bergeron gave him a look that literally should have reduced him to subatomic particles and smashed his stick it over wasn't the net. A, it wasn't like a Joe Corvo thing, was it? Joe Corvo. It was Joe Corvo. <laughs> like, if you can tick off Patrice Bergeron that much simply by being yourself without actually hurting anyone or anything like that. Yeah, you don't you probably shouldn't be playing pro hockey. Um, so no, I don't dislike John Moore as much as I disliked Joe Corvo. I don't think anybody liked Joe Corvo. The really sad thing is when Joe Corvo decided to play hockey. No, don't go there. He was not terrible. I'm not saying he was good, but he was not terrible. He looked like an NHL defenseman. No, probably a number five or a number six. Most Okay, that's somewhat unfair for a guy who scored 14 goals twice. But he was the he was exactly the stereotype of an offense only defenseman. So his his defensive abilities were less than any pl- any forward on the Boston Bruins current top 6 forwards. Yes. Yeah. Any of them. Uh, Craig Smith, Taylor Hall, David Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand, uh, Pasternak, any of them are better defensively than this guy was. So here's the here's the reason, basically, that John Moore got the contract he did. Three years with the Devils, he played 73 games, 19 points, 63 games, 22 points, 81 games, 18 points. Comes to the Bruins, plays 61 games, gets 13 points, and falls off the cliff. I I will not miss him when he's gone. I would be inclined to agree. I had hoped that he was going to be taken in the expansion draft, but um, I can't see that happening. Um, 219. Um this was what three, four games ago. This was the, we're on episode three, three four weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, wanting, 
wanting to comment on Marshy and the game-winning goal. He does lead the franchise in OT goals, but you're right that he has scored more lately, last few seasons early. Uh, if I'm being honest, I think this has to do with the fact that he often tries to set up his line mates more often nowadays, especially when he has already scored. Yeah, I, I think there is some of that. Um, Marchand was definitely like yeah. most young players trying to a learn what their teammates were going to do. B learn who they're playing against, which again is a huge part of anyone's success. And three, um, see now it, the comment about he's been scoring more uh, last few seasons. He'd been scoring early, but he's been scoring more lately. I, I think the the chemistry that that line, the Raptors line, and they've been using that other term very, very frequently on the the NBC network and the NHL network. Yeah, a term I don't really need to hear. Yeah, but so the the Raptors, the 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 chemistry that that line has. I don't think not. First of all, I don't think any of the three of them give a damn which one scores. You watch the puck movement between the three of them. And, you know, if Brad can get it to an open Bergeron or an open, I mean, he tried even last night in the first period, it was a two on one and he tried to go cross ice to, I thought it was a little, I thought they were a little wide for it. And and it ended up getting knocked away by Orlov, I think it was, but. I mean, it was two on one, and he's still trying to set up Pasta because he had a better angle at the open side of the net. I mean, it, when, in my opinion, I think Marsh, I think Marshan should have actually taken the shot himself. It, it's, I don't think he's doing it because he's trying to help his teammates get more points, because that line is going to get their points. I, I, th- I think what, I think what the. Uh commenter is saying is that he's Marchand is like you said equally comfortable he's equally comfortable with whoever gets the point I think that it comes down to as Marchand is matured as a player and theoretically as a person um, (laughs) uh, he has developed a whatever it takes for the team to win mentality um and that allows for the shift in I have to take the shot because I have the puck mentality to do I have the best shot and how far out of position is it going to pull people for this puck to get past once or twice more? Um, and I think that's something you really can't develop at the NHL level until you played three plus seasons in the league, hopefully with fairly consistent line mates and, um, the Bergeron Marchand tandem is probably the best pairing of the last two, 10 years, the best one, two punch. I, I think that you can make some arguments for one or two other pairs being better in individual years, but over the last 10 years since the cup run, no, they have literally, no, no, <laughs> just no. Um, and then uh, Miller segment. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on this one. 
Uh, I don't remember. What, I don't remember. What, I, I, and I apologize for this because I haven't had a chance to go back and listen again. I honestly don't remember what the comment was. I do remember throwing a lot of uh, accolades toward Ryan Miller. And I mean, in his draft year, I mean, he's the only non forward. He's the only non skater. I mean, the other one, well, the other one is Craig Anderson, who, oh, wait, actually beat the Bruins last night. Um, Craig Anderson has played in 656 games. Ryan Miller has played in 812. We must have made a comment about how many games he's played in. Must have been. Um, I can, I, I think we maybe should hold off and I can go back and have a listen and. Uh, looking at that 99 draft, um, Ryan Miller played 812 games. Um, there's no goaltender from that draft who has played more than him. No. Who has played more games. In fact, there's only about there's only a handful of players who played more than him, including Henri- uh, Henrik and Daniel Sedin, Henrik uh, Zetterberg, uh, Zetterberg, Radenberg, Bader, Martin, Erat, Barrett, Jackman. I didn't have any idea that he actually played that many games. Um, really? Taylor Pyatt and uh, Chris Kelly. Everyone else uh, is under the 800 mark. Um, and the next goaltender down is, yeah, is indeed Craig Anderson. Um, and then you see below that. Ew, wow. You go all the way to you go all the way to Alex Ald, who only played in 237 games. And who got stuck his entire career hearing, he's big, he's bald, he's Alex Ald. Yes, he did. Poor man. Played here, in, played here in Boston for a short period of time. Yes. Florida draftee, he played Florida, Boston, Montreal. Oh, God, there was – I think that, I think he actually played a couple of other places too. He was on always on the move. Yeah, so Vancouver, Florida, Phoenix, although he didn't play for Florida – uh, when they drafted him, he went back there years later in the 06-07 season. He played for Phoenix. He went back to – he then played for Ottawa, Dallas, the Rangers, Montreal, and then another stint in Ottawa. Yikes. So, like, eight teams in his career. Um, a couple of really solid seasons, including – actually – Save percentage-wise, his best season was here in Boston with a 919. Uh, no, no. Well, he played six games in Vancouver in 0304 with a 929 and seven with a 937. But for a decent number of games, yeah. Uh, and we are way far afield. Okay. Um. So, commenter, please and thank you. Drop us a line about um. Oh, wait a minute. Goaltenders who played for Canada in 2010. Um, that, I don't even remember which goaltenders were there. I think Marc-Andre Fleury might have been one of them. I think that's who he's referring to in the comment. Um, but clarify for it, and we'll get you, we'll get the comment on to a future show. Um, let's see. We are probably past what should be the halfway point for the show. <laughs> um What's next? What's this about Braden Point? Uh, Braden Point. And do you need um, to worry about it? Braden Point left practice early um, and apparently with a certain level of um, 
assertiveness, having thrown his stick over the boards uh, in the process of exiting the exiting the ice. Uh, John Cooper, who we all know, I think, is the best coach, uh, who's the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, um, was quick to calm everyone down by just saying he just got nicked. It's nothing to be worried about. Yada, yada, yada. Braden Point did lead the team in in goals and scoring for the season. So if he's actually injured, including just nicked, which is a marvelous sports term. Um, it it is something to worry about, even with those other two guys who are coming back and definitely there in a case where there's definitely no cap circumvention going on because no one, no one could possibly predict that Stamkos would miss the entire regular season last year and come back and show up for the playoffs. And then, um, Kucherov would miss the entire regular season this year and then come back in time for the playoffs. Uh, all of which conveniently allowed them to play under the cap uh, and get all of their, all of their NHL game, regular season games accomplished without having to uh, deplete their talent pool. Yes. Amazing how that happened. Highly coincidental. Yes. I, I would assume nothing else. No, nothing. And the fact that the you know the the MVP of of oh was Nikita Kucherov not a Hart Trophy winner or I, I'm fairly certain he was a finalist. I don't remember if he won. One um, way or another, I mean, one way or another, the fact that it, it, the talent level, you know, you didn't miss it all. You, you didn't miss it pretty much the whole season. Um, you didn't. Stamkos was out for quite a bit of time. Uh, Oh, wait, but they're both going to be ready for game one tonight. Ready for game one. Weird. <laughs> I, I don't know. They I must have how. really good doctors who can just predict the future so well. I mean, because, you know, injuries that are severe enough to keep NHL players off the ice, you know, they never have setbacks. There's never There's never any complications from stuff like that. It's just a straight linear progression that works the same for everybody. Right. Right. Of course it does. Yeah. Okay. Thoughts. They, they are going to be without, uh, without a, a key cog, however, in Barkley Goudreau, um, key cog. Yeah. Hey, he's a really solid bottom six player for them. And I'm going to say from a physical standpoint, from a physicality standpoint, yeah, they will miss him in that instance. I mean, not that headman can't be physical and, not that uh, Andre Palat can't be physical. They've still got um, doesn't Patrick Maroon still play there? And, and yeah, I mean they've got other physical guys, so it's not like they're suddenly without you know they're going to be lacking in the physicality department. They're still going to be hitting, but it, yeah, bottom six forward. I mean he's a solid player. They got him from. Uh, they got him from San Jose last season at the deadline. So, yeah, he'd be missed a little bit. I don't think they're going to be missing him as much as, as one would think, but it could be a little bit. But, yeah, to, if Braden Point is leaving, it, it, that could be something. I mean, is it the a count, with, the Given the other two guys coming back in, is it a season ender? No. I mean, but it's last still a year, thing. 
I was going to say last year in or or in the summer, uh, as you like to call them, pretend offs. Uh, they did not have Stamkos except for a three-minute time span in which he ended up scoring a goal, amazingly enough. Mm-hmm. But they did have Kucherov and they did have Point, and Braden Point was the man more so than Kucherov. I think Kucherov kind of got eliminated during the playoffs, but Braden Point was their <laughs> was their savior last year. So. Yeah, he's big, but if you're going to have Stamkos and Kucherov back, I don't think he's going to, again, I don't think he's going to be missed as much as if they were without him and Stamkos or him and Kucherov. So take that for what it is, but I don't think it, I I mean, and I hope that, you know, we don't wish ill will on anyone, hope that he's still healthy. And certainly the game is more entertaining when he's playing because he is a talented forward and there he goes there he is uh, buzzing um, back to the rink because he was just nicked <laughs> and what's this about McDavid well uh, McDavid Connor McDavid uh, for this most recent season regular season that's mostly over um, has done something to unseat uh, Mario Lemieux from the top of the food chain. Uh, really? He was involved in a very, very slightly higher percentage of uh, the of the points his team produced uh, over the course of the year than Mario, who had previously held the record. Um, this is a tweet from uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman um, uh, uh, at DNB Sports. Um, previous record was uh, set during the 88-89 season where Lemieux hit 57.35% of Pittsburgh's goals. Um, this year, McDavid hit 57.38% of Edmonton's goals. He, he beat him by three hundredths of a percentage point. Yep. Okay, we're going to call this a virtual tie, seriously. It's a virtual tie, uh, but legitimately, one of the first responses to it is, uh, was, oh gosh. Uh, somebody, somebody who said, and also played during dead puck era and played against um, defensemen who were basically allowed to Oh, no, no, his, his response, forward. his response is, um, well, Mario didn't have, uh, three on threes to play on, to play in, which... While true, um, McDavid faces much better goaltending, much better goaltending than Mario ever did. It's not even close. Don't pretend it is. I will laugh and laugh hard. Just the goaltending difference alone. So... In 88-89, Lemieux wasn't playing with a Dreisaitl caliber player on his line. Yeah, but Dreisaitl really doesn't play on uh, McDavid's line all the time. Correct. That's and Yarger was, Yarger was on the ice. That, uh, Did he play in 88-89, though? I think Yarger came later. And yes, I would have to look it up, sadly enough. I got it. <laughs> Uh, you're right, he did. Yager was drafted in 90, and they actually took 
four guys ahead of him. Yager wasn't first overall. Owen Nolan was taken first overall. Oh, that's right. The 90 draft. Yes. Peter Nedved was taken second overall. Keith Primu, third. And Mike Ricci, fourth. Now, Owen Nolan, definitely not a bad player. Uh, given that he racked up just under 1,800 uh, PIMs in 1,200 games, uh, I don't know who was going to tell him he was a bad player. Well, still averaging two-thirds of a point per game. I mean... Yes. Or actually, I'm sorry, three-quarters, or just about three-quarters of a point, so 885 and 1,200. That's a, that's just under three-quarters of a point per game. Peter Nedzid had... Yeah. 800, 1,800 penalty minutes. So, yeah, Owen Nolan, not going to complain about him. Uh, Peter Nedved still managed right around, what, uh, almost eight-tenths of a point per game himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Primo was not quite as offensively productive, but again, when you have 1,504 and 40 penalty minutes and 900 games. Still two um, of a point per game, 619 and 909. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> Admittedly, Yager has almost as many goals as these other guys have points total. <laughs> but it's hard to say, especially when four of them are coming from North America or, and one guy is still in the fairly early stages of the Russian experiment, even though he's Czech. I know, I know the wall has only been down two years at this point, two or three years. Um, he's, but this is a guy who's still playing. (laughs) Well, his last season in the NHL was three years ago, but he's yes, he's still playing in Europe, which is, Utterly redonkulous. But I'm pretty sure if I went and looked at the other four ahead of him, they're not playing anymore. There are well, Primo's son is playing for the well, Canadians. Yeah, as I was going to say, there are guys who, from this draft, who have their children playing at this point. Um, there are guys who were born five years. Actually, Keith Kachuk's, who was taken in this draft, his two sons. Um, have played in the league or yeah, two of his sons are playing in the league. Uh, Martin Brodeur's kids were drafted, what, three, four years ago, maybe further. Something like that. Yeah. Um, God, this is an interesting draft. Daryl Sador, Darian Hatcher. Both well, of those guys only, had long careers at the time. There was only 21 teams, uh, you know, 21 teams picking. So, Honestly, one of my first favorite players, Brian Smolinski, was taken by the Bruins at the end of this draft. Yeah. End of this first round. This is this is back when Detroit's, uh, Detroit was in their uh, Russian experiment with they drafted Kozlov in like the second or third round. And yeah, uh, guys like Sergei Zubov. Yeah. Sergey Zuboff drafted in round five. I mean, yeah, this is actually an interesting draft. Then. Craig Conroy, sixth round, <laughs> still played a thousand games in the league. Robert Lang in the seventh round. Back when draft Peter Bondra, eighth round. It was an eighth round pick. I think if you redrafted, he might go a little bit higher this time. <laughs> he would make. He would be taken in the second round at this point. Um. 
a thousand games, almost eleven hundred games. Ken Klee, almost a thousand games in the ninth round. Wait until you get to the twelfth round and you start getting MT off. Two hundred and forty fourth, and still played seven hundred and sixty one NHL games, and he played all the way. He played over ten years too, because he played until the O two season. Ridiculous. Uh huh. And way, way <laughs> off target. <laughs> so anyway, as far as as far as you know, whether whether he had Yager or not, I mean Mario Lemieux is still one of the top players ever in the NHL, and Connor McDavid slightly edging him out. And, I mean fifty seven point three five versus fifty seven point three eight. Congratulations to Connor, but I don't know. I, I, See, I mean, this is one of those records that, was... that I genuinely believe more reflects the team that you're playing on than the player itself. Because yeah, Connor McDavid okay. is still one guy. Yeah. Mario Lemieux is still one guy. one guy. And the fact that they can be involved in 57% of the goals for the team. Well, that should tell you something about... Uh, yeah, no, no. Yes, they're great. Yes, they are. Both they Like, Connor McDavid is a bona fide superstar who is legitimately Hall of Fame bound. I think yeah, even I'm if his career... Yeah, that away from me. Yeah, that's true. Even if, if Connor McDavid's career ended today, he's still yeah. going into the Hall of Fame. Really? If he is if he is sucked up by a alien spacecraft, I don't know if I'm ready walking to into the arena just yet. But okay, he's probably going into the Hall of Fame. Are we retiring his number like we did Gretzky's? Probably not quite that extensive a celebration of his uh, of his play. But okay, good. It's been good. All right. Um, and enough. league supervillain Brad Marchand is up to his nefarious ways again. Yeah, he's a terrible guy, huh? I it, literally the worst. I, I mean, him, Tom Wilson, just just get rid of them. Get, li, listen to this. You're probably going to want to cry. Everyone, grab tissues. We're gonna we're gonna wait. Ready? Ready? Got him. Got him. You paused. Okay. Thank you, listeners. Little girl was hit by a puck, and what does the, Mr. Uh, Mr. Pointy Mustache himself do? He comes back out onto the ice before the game. He in a with a sinister gleam in his eye. He defaces a stick and sends it up into the audience, carried by some minion of his to give to this yes, tiny minions? three or four year old girl who was struck by a puck. He has minions. I he's evil. Of course he has minions. Oh, what was I thinking? Okay. This little girl will be for ever shaped by this. Now, was it like an exploding stick or it's probably a mind control stick? See, I'm willing to bet that when she figures out who he is, she will love him. And that just proves how evil he is. Brad Marchand, NHL supervillain, get him out of the league. Yeah, that's a terrible thing to do. I mean, some of the, this is the type of stuff that the NHL needs to be 
pr- promoting it, it, they need to sh- they need to be screaming that type of a story from the rooftops. Jeremy Swayman going over and 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 skating to the glass, taking a selfie with the fans uh, because a young kid showed up with a Jeremy Swayman jersey. So he goes over to the glass and he's taking selfies with the family and he's sign he's he it looked like he signed a pocket or or did something with a pocket and handed it through handed it through like the camera opening or something and but these are the type of things these are the feel goods these are the type of things that are going to bring fans in you need that interaction between the player and the fan I mean baseball yes it's easier because it, there's no six foot eight foot high glass ten, whatever it is you know they got short walls the players can come over to the wall and, and sign autographs but you better believe that I saw on the on on Nesson's news that there was a little kid talking to Joe Madden before the game little four-year-old come over he was waiting for Mike Trout or five-year-old something like that He's waiting for Mike Trout to come out, and the the manager of the the Angels that Mike Mike Trout plays for, Joe Madden, is just standing there talking to the kid like they're having a regular conversation, and the camera's on him, and they're just t- chatting away, and he's da, 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 da. and then Mike Trout comes out and he signs an autograph for the kid, and then he gives him a bat, and 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 he's still talking to him, and then he finally goes back to his mom, and he's like five years old. The NHL needs to be promoting this stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't get the NHL's complete inability to market themselves. Like if the NHL is going to spend money on anything over the next three to five years, it should be marketing, marketing, marketing. Uh, or Especially if they're going to be on the four letter network. I can't even like this is going to be. I hope this works out well. I really hope this works out well. I think it will draw more people to the game. How many of them will be actual hockey fans and how many of them will be but the sports the options, fans who are watching because it's there? I was going to say the options that it brings them, though, with the SPM Plus and the fact that you can – I'm going to be able to watch pretty much any game I want either – or I can stream it later if I miss it live. I mean – I'll be able to follow Red Wings games and this games and that games and, you know, teams that don't get coverage. I'll be able to watch all the Arizona Coyotes games because they don't get to be on TV all that much. Things like or, that. Yeah. Arizona, Calgary, um, Minnesota, for that matter. Uh, even even watching the L.A. Kings uh, is difficult and they're the second or third largest city in Hockey city in North America. I mean, if I was really, you know, inclined, I could go and watch Pittsburgh Penguins games. I'm not so inclined. It's not going to happen. But <laughs> I'd rather watch Florida Panthers games. Yeah, so would I. So the, the Seattle Kraken have have uh, officially practiced uh, and completed a successful uh, player transaction. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, take this down. The Seattle Kraken have signed their first player, and it worries certain uh, New York Rangers writers as to who they're going to lose in the expansion draft. Because Um, they signed somebody? Yes. 
and because of where they played. Ah. Uh, the connection is drawn by Anthony uh, Scultori of Forever Blue Shirts. Are pretty interesting uh, in an article published on the twenty on the fourteenth of May. Um, but Seattle Kraken's first player, uh, Luke Henman. Um, let's hope he has a better uh, NHL career than uh, so the Vegas first signing Duke something or other, who's agreed. not been since not been seen since. Actually, I think he played for them. Did he actually play? I think he was called up. I think he actually played with Vegas. Amazing. Like, I, uh, it wasn't for like a long period of time. I think it was only a, a game or two or something like that. But I'm pretty sure Duke Reed got called up. I heard it somewhere. But I'd have to look it up to confirm, but I'm pretty sure he did. Anyway, so Luke Henman is the first signing for Seattle. Um, who Ron Francis had previously drafted with Carolina, and Carolina mm-hmm. failed to sign. Um, it's also noted that Robert Korn or Cron is the director of amateur scouting, um, who worked with, uh, Francis at the, uh, at the Canes. Um, Luke Henman was drafted out of the queue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the choices, uh, or the, the two most likely targets for expa- the expansion draft, according to. Uh, our friends over at uh, Forever Blue Shirts are Brett Howden and Julian Gauthier. Um, Julian Gauthier is someone the two of us played, paid a lot of attention to. Um, Six foot four, 220 pounds, plays on the um, <clears throat> right wing. Um, Need I say more? <laughs> no, no. Not really. He hasn't played as much as I had thought he was going to, considering where he was drafted. But he's starting to come around with that, with the Rangers. And uh, it, they've come to the conclusion that it's probably going to be Gauthier. Um, I'm not sure myself, but, but it does. If it does turn out to be Gauthier, um, it's going to be interesting to see him get more top six or more, more ice time, uh, as, as they, as that franchise settles into the NHL. So because of the Carolina connection, cause Gauthier was originally drafted by Carolina. Yep. That's why the Rangers are afraid they're going to lose him in the expansion draft, which by the way, I, I really am thoroughly enjoying the fact that the, the Seattle Kraken are signing players, but yet they still don't have a coach to coach him. So <laughs> who needs a coach? Oh, okay. Well, you do have Francis and I, you know, Ron Francis was a pretty good player in his own right. So, but maybe you, Ron Francis will be coach and general manager for the first season. Then, then hand it off. I after he's gotten see a good that. Look I don't see the... that happening. <laughs> it's an interesting thought, but I don't see that happening. I still think that I still think Gallant has an outside shot, although apparently uh, the Rangers have interest in him since they fired Dan Quinn. And that was a dumb move. That was a really dumb move. But we'll I don't understand. Later why, yeah, thank you. I don't know. I, I don't understand. don't have time today. I, I know. OK, I'm stopping. Sarah McClellan uh, of Star Tribune uh, and company simplify what's needed uh, in or and what the goal is for the Minnesota Wild this offseason or postseason score more goals. Uh, um, the article isn't 
actually that simple. Uh, but one of the ways that she enumerates is that they're going to uh, pare down the top heavy, um, lo- uh, top heavy way that they played, and spread out the scoring over over a couple of lines versus having one superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it works out on the ice. To me, um, she credits Garen with applying with uh, acquiring players that could handle multiple positions, uh, including Johansson. Um, Nick Benino and Bugstag, uh, Bugstad. Well, they've got Nico Sturm apparently playing in, 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 in a position that he hasn't, I mean, he, they got him playing center and apparently he started out as a wing. So yes, yes, he did. Actually, Patrice Bergeron started out at right wing too, which still amuses me to this day. As he's like the best face off man in the league. Uh, he's arguably the best face off man in league history at this point. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to make that argument. Um, but it, it, I understand. I understand their goal because if you look at their past couple of years making the playoffs, I mean, what was it? Two years ago that they literally had eight goals in five playoff games. Whoa! This is a stat. This is one of those things that the NHL does a terrible job at marketing. Hmm. Um, and I missed this on my first trip through the article. Just real, real, real quick. Where do you think the Minnesota Wild finished this season in terms of goal production? They actually scored more than they have in the past. Uh, Which isn't eighth. necessarily a high bar. Eighth? It's actually ninth. Okay. But that's the same number of goals as the reigning Stanley cup champion lightning and only four fewer than, um, the Oilers. Wow. That's, that's pretty staggering. I mean, yes, you would expect the number nine goal scoring team to make it into the playoffs. And they did. Um, but the comparison between last year and the previous year, and this year, in terms of where they finish, that's a big difference. That's a really, really big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to... But if their goal is to score more goals, and they score more goals against their playoff, their, their is it their for opening round playoff opponent? Their opening round playoff opponent... Uh, I had not realized how interesting this matchup as a matchup this is going to be. This is probably the second most interesting opening round matchup. Uh, And obviously, I think Florida-Tampa as an unseen event, despite 20-plus years in the league together, um, I I think that's the most fascinating, and I'm going to try and watch as many games as possible. But... But night, I call this in our in our show notes, Knights Meet Anti-Knights. And the more of the article that you read from Knights on Ice, yes, a Knights pro blog, uh, theoretically, a, a Knights uh, blog uh, by Jillian Wagner. The scarier this matchup gets, I mean, the Vegas odds have Vegas, have the Knights winning. 
uh, or the Knights as the favorite, which they probably should be. They yeah. have two number one goaltenders. They have uh, a couple of cups rolling around the locker room. But there are questions for the Knights, and their record against, and admittedly it's regular season, but the record for the franchise against the Minnesota Wild is terrible. In their three seasons, the Vegas <laughs> Golden Knights, stat. <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights, who went to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first season and have been into the playoffs each of the following seasons, are five, ten, and one in four. Se- Actually, it's four seasons now. Wow. A four, so, five, ten, and one. They do not have a regular. Um, the, the Knights do not have a regulation win in Minnesota uh, in four years. Four years. And they're one over to, and their their only road win this year came no, no, in no. overtime. Yeah. And they're they have a two one shootout back in 08 and eighteen nineteen. That's ter- that's terrifying. This is like it said. Fortunately, the Vegas Knights have home ice advantage. <laughs> fortunately, they do. But their but their record is still five, ten, ten and one. And one. Um. Uh. And this year they went three, four, and one against Vegas, and that's after going one, three, and two in the final six games. <sighs> like this is this is a mind-boggling couple of stats. Yes, because the Knights have been so good, so good since their first couple of games. Um, and to really definitely go through and read these two articles, um, because both uh, Jillian Wagner uh, over at. Oh, God, what is Nights on Ice and the Stars uh, Star Tribune piece from uh, Sarah McClellan break down their points pretty, uh, pretty well, uh, pretty damn well. Um, definitely, definitely take a deep look. Um, these are not three minute reads. Uh, they're probably closer to 15, 18. Um, but they're absolutely a hundred percent worth the time. Um, and you know, I guess if we're looking at an upset in the first round, which being the NHL statistically has to happen at least twice, this could be it. This could be one of them. I don't know if I'm ready to agree with that yet, but it's just it, it's a possibility, I guess. I have to allow for it. The NHL I playoffs just, are all about the matchup. This matchup is not good. If not they good can get it, 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 no, it's really not. It, it, having read both of these articles and and the way the the way the, the Minnesota has set up their, their forwards so that they've got balanced scoring. I mean, Fiala is just coming on like gangbusters and is looking to 
have himself a nice little next contract. Uh, you've got guys like Nico Sturm who are even even though he only gets 11 or 12 goals, whatever it was this season. But I mean, he's a bottom six forward and it's not bad. He was 11 goals and 20 something, 30 points, something like that. It, I mean, they got guys like Victor Ask who kind of disappeared after wherever he was before Carolina. It, it, I mean, Bill Guerin is doing a decent job, and and Dean Everson is got that has got that team going. I mean, you got Jordan Greenway, Joel Erickson Eck is is supposedly somebody we should consider for Selkie. Selkie. And, uh, it, it's a it, it's a very good team. It's a very well put together team. So I imagine they could be a matchup concern. I still worry about the goaltending. I'm sure that Talbot's going to be the number one. He's got more playoff experience than the rookie Kakinen. Uh, he's, he, and he had himself a very good season this year, but I still worry about Talbot. He's got a better team in front of him than he had when he played in Edmonton, I will say that. Uh, but it's, oh. still, it's still flurry at the other end. Most likely. I mean, he had a 1.98 goals against, uh, goals against this season. I'd... We did toss up a poll um, this week. Uh, and uh, short, short, uh, short, short version. Um, here's the poll with Patrice Bergeron having climbed back to first for faceoffs. One, does he pick up Selkie number five this season? Um, to answer two possible answers, uh, no got 41.2% of the vote and yes, 58.8. What do we think? Uh, I, I think he's, I think he, I think he should be in consideration for it. I can't find i mean the usual suspects you got ryan o'reilly you've got Anze i can't Kopitar. find enough stats to make me want to vote for anyone else yeah that's what yeah that's where i was going with it is i just i can't find somebody else that i can argue the point that is more worthy than bergeron at this point and uh, those of you who uh, are looking for more people to follow on twitter who provide interesting, uh, interesting tweets. Uh, uh, TJ Trap Jesus, um, who is TJ Trap Jesus one, uh, provided a list of stats where uh, Bergeron is either leading or in the top three uh, that that are usually considered for uh, Selkie Award winners. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's in reply to the poll, uh, and if we throw up a new poll this week, I, I think that we're going to we'll we'll put it up. Uh, we'll put the link in the show. Um, really, 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 really quick. Um, let's uh, run through the various playoff matchups, and you give me, and we'll give our call on which one on what we think. Uh, Are you ready? Sure. Hit As you should be. Um, oh, gosh, where did they go? 
I don't know, they're not in the show notes, so. <laughs> no, I know. Um, so hit me with it. I can't even remember all the matchups because my poor little brain is not here today. So today, in fact, a game that has just started, um, Islanders and Pittsburgh, who's taking that series? Islanders in six. I got to go Pittsburgh in six. Um, I don't love either of these teams. Um, I think Pittsburgh is just a little bit more coherent at the moment. Um, Minnesota and Vegas. Uh, Vegas in. I'm going to go. I'm going to say seven only because it it seems like it's going to go back and forth. So I'm going to say Vegas in seven. Minnesota in six. Really? I think you're saying these things just to. Tampa and Florida. And they are a 7.30 p.m. start on Sunday, the May 16th. For the first time in their franchise's history, two teams sharing the same state, a short two-and-a-half-hour drive or so apart, uh, one on the Gulf, one on the Atlantic Coast. Give me your call. Florida. Ooh. Go ahead. Florida. How many games? It's going to take him a couple. I'm going to go six on that one as well. I think it's People going, are going to, to hate I, me. Go ahead. Despite the fact that I think Florida has the better coach, I'm still going with Tampa in six. All right. Wait a minute. Oh, that's a regular season game. Uh, yes, those are still going on. Uh, Calgary and <laughs> Calgary and Vancouver are playing tonight for those who really need more hockey. And I'll probably I may well. I don't, know, I don't know that they're going to be televised with with playoff games going on. though. Oh, no, they're going to be on the NHL network. Oh, really? Is it their final game? <laughs> um, Looks to be. Okay. Uh, so Monday night we have Nashville and Carolina. I think this series is easy. Uh, I, I'm going to go Carolina in six. I knew you were going to do that. I wanted to say five, but we'll we'll call it six. I'm I, <laughs> I like Carolina a lot. I really do. But I don't know. I just it, it, goaltending wise, I don't know if they're going to go with Morazic or Nadalkovic. If they, I mean, Morazic is he didn't play a lot, but yet I'm going Nashville. And I'm going to go six. Wow. Someone's feeling brave. Um, St. Louis at Colorado, 10 o'clock on Monday night. Can I be cruel here? You're going to say St. Louis in four? Nope. Colorado in five. I think there's only one call for that, and it's, yeah, Colorado in five. I think, Sorry, that, I, think, I think that St. Louis gets a bump going back for their first home game. I think that's all the series, correct? Well, we didn't pick Bruins and Washington. Uh, I, yeah. I realize they've already started, and we didn't do any North Oh, we didn't do, Win- we didn't do Winnipeg-Edmonton. Yes, we didn't do any 
We didn't do any North series. Go ahead, Winnipeg Edmonton. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go Winnipeg in six. I don't feel very confident about it, but Edmonton in six. Really? Wow. Okay, one, two, three. Ooh, and the matchup that Canada has been waiting for for years Toronto and Toronto and Montreal, baby. <laughs> Toronto and Montreal. Toronto actually had a reasonably balanced team this year um, in terms of goals, uh, goal differential. Um, who you got? <laughs> yes, sir. Montreal. Wow. I happen to, I happen to like the players in Montreal better. Than, uh, Toronto, I'm I'm nervous about the goaltending because it looks like they're trying to get Fred Anderson back, and Jack Campbell is. I think they wore him out a little bit toward the end of toward the end of the season. They were playing him so many games in a row. I still have uh, to go Toronto in six. So I'm going with Montreal in I'm actually going to go Montreal in seven just because I think it'll take him a while. But OK. And you got Toronto in six and that leaves Boston and Washington, which, OK, yes, we already know they played one game. But I honestly have to go with Boston in this because I don't think that Washington actually looked good in that win. And I don't think that Washington has looked all that good in the final third of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so Boston in seven. Wow. That's what I wrote down, actually. Not for you, for me, not for me, for you. For me, I wrote it down as well, because I think it's going to be Boston in seven. If you watch that game, the bottom six of the Bruins outplayed the bottom six of the Capitals. Yes. And Nick I Ritchie, Nick Ritchie scoring a goal. You've got DeBrusque on the fourth line scoring a goal. Uh, I think that it's going to come down to the balance. Uh, yes. The top lines are going to sort of cancel each other out. Although I think the Raptors line still gives the Bruins an advantage. It's a three hit. They are a three headed monster and that's nearly impossible to overcome consistently. But I think the fact that the bottom, that the bottom six forwards can outplay Washington's bottom six is, is going to end up somehow like it did in game one. I think it's going to turn out to be a key. So yes, hopefully the Bruins will start the right goaltender in the next game. <laughs> But Halak isn't even on the bench. He wasn't on the bench. But that, I believe, wraps the show. Um, thank you for the mailbag questions. Uh, and I, I promise we'll keep up with them. And thank you for all the uh, Twitter responses to the poll, both um, both votes and then people having a, starting a great conversation. Uh As always, enjoy the hockey. Um, Have a great week, and we will be back right here next week to uh, fill 90 or so minutes of your day.
The playoffs are here. Take care.